What's up, everybody, and welcome to In This Economy. Thank you all for being with me here today. My name is Matt, and I'm joined with Sam as usual. And before we get into it, please like or subscribe. And you can follow us on Twitter at EconomyPod, or you can email us at InThisEconomyPod at gmail.com. Sam, how you doing today, bud? I'm doing great, Maddie. What an intro. What a day. I'd like uh, all of our uh, listeners to wish my man Matt um, a big congratulations. Huge promotion today. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, we did it. We are moving up in the sales world, which, you know, switching means, tax brackets. Yeah, tax brackets, dollar signs. It's uh it's going to be busy, but I think we're uh, we're up for the challenge. But yeah, thank you. I'm looking forward to it. You earned it, pal. And hey, uh, all our listeners, uh, Matt did say subscribe, but he did not say give us five stars, so go ahead and do that too for old time's sake. Yeah, the uh, the reviews definitely help, so Thank you for that. So yeah, we got a great show. Excited to be back. Did miss the one last week, so uh, apologies all around. But we uh, we have a lot to talk about today, so we're going to get into it. First thing we're going to touch on is the COVID-19 sickness that's going around caused by the SARS-CoV-2 virus. So we're going to touch on that. That's coronavirus for those uh, keeping track. I got to talk about the Super Tuesday that happened and also catch up on the Nevada and South Carolina primaries. And then Sam is also going to catch up on the XFL, and then he's going to talk real estate. Yeah, we uh, had another listener contact me. Uh, we've had a few of you guys, and told me what he wanted to listen. Shout out Josh Real. Uh, let me know exactly what he wanted to hear. We will start part of it today. It's probably going to take two episodes to talk about exactly what he wanted to talk about, but we are going to go through more in-depth on the purchasing real estate yeah and if anybody else has a suggestion just um send a venmo to matt or sam and uh with your suggestion what you want us to talk about and then maybe we'll do it and even get a shout out uh yeah or maybe no venmo maybe just email us at in this economy pod at gmail.com that might be easier yeah and uh yeah we'll uh we'll likely talk about what you want us to yeah so what should we start with, bud? I think the coronavirus has been the hottest thing, and it really kind of exploded over the time we haven't been here. But for those who haven't been paying attention, this uh, virus that may have come from bat soup, it may have come from a laboratory experiment, we don't really know. But as of now, there's almost 100,000 people infected across the world. And in the United States, there's only, I think it's like 60 cases technically with 11 dead and most of those are in the Washington state area. And they're all from a most of them were from a nursing home which spreads disease pretty quickly. So that's yeah. kind of an not an isolated case of all those deaths, but it's less scary than it sounds. Yeah, and really those like petri dish incubation areas like the Diamond Princess cruise or where we're seeing most of this stuff really like escalate. But for the relevance in terms of the economy, I mean, we saw a huge bounce in the market today, and we're recording today on March 4th. 4th. So by the time you get this, everything might have changed. But uh, last week was a huge drop in the market in anticipation of all of this lost GDP due to just the economic pro productivity going down since China and kind of the U.S. were slowing down. Yeah, it was the worst week the stock market had since 2008. So since the Great Recession, <laughs> this was the worst week. But I think times are not as dire as it may seem. Um, last time, the economy crashed based on uh, banks defaulting or potentially defaulting on loans, housing crisis. That is not going on right now. People are just sick. There's Some are calling a pandemic. I don't think it's quite there yet. Uh 
it's not as as dire and scary as it seems. And you know what? The market bounced back this week, so that kind of helps prove my point. Yeah, we did see a huge rally on uh, on Wednesday this week, and I think that's due to the um, rate cut that Jerome Powell from the Federal Reserve did. So they cut the federal funds rate by 50 points, basis points, and they made it seem like they're going to continue to do so and also increase liquidity as needed um, to ensure that the markets stay propped up. Great time to refinance, people. Yeah. Yeah, or maybe wait until a month from now when they cut even more because it looks like they're going to have to do that if they're going to want to keep the markets propped up. Now, I think the concern at this point is that the supply chains in China are going to be disrupted. And then we're also seeing that the ramp up phase of the virus is happening pretty significantly in the U.S. Now, the issue is we don't know how many cases the CDC are testing. They were telling us every day or every couple days how many people they were actually testing. And then suddenly, earlier this week, they just conti- they just stopped. They just stopped telling us how many they were testing. And I think it's because it was such an embarrassingly low amount of people. So we saw that 11 are dead. And last time it, we checked, it looked like there were uh, 500 people that they had tested. Now contrast that to like South Korea, where they've tested you know upwards of 100,000 people. And they now have hundreds and hundreds of cases. Here we just really don't know how many cases are there because we're not testing people. So I think we have a underreporting of cases which makes it seem like the death rate is really high and eventually the cdc is going to start testing these people and we're going to see that it's been spreading around unknowingly in the u.s yeah uh just wash your hands don't uh, touch your face <laughs> think we'll be okay we'll make it through so so the the issue is that the virus uh, aerosolizes which means that you know it's just particulates in the air when somebody coughs so I'm actually hearing that that's not the case. Oh, you really? can't actually get it from being in the air, which is why those masks are actually not very effective. So the way you get it is it goes from the air onto a surface. If you touch that surface and then touch your face, mm. uh, you can get it. But generally, don't touch stuff without washing your hands. You'll probably be okay. Which is just a good I, life rule, by the way. It, it is good advice. <laughs> I'd have to check what you're talking about because I really thought it was uh, aerosolizing. You but, are the science guy, but well, everything I'm reading is saying that you cannot get it mm. from just being in the air, which is why those masks are relatively useless. Well, I think the other thing, you know, it does form in like droplets, I believe. So if somebody is sick and they're coughing and there's like a droplet or something, you could probably it gets get on that. the surface. Well, or in your face or whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If, if it do, goes. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, so so I'm a little more concerned than Sam is here. And I just think that the, the concern is that, you know, the government's going to force everyone in the U.S. to self-quarantine, maybe. Or uh, another thing that could happen is the hospital system gets overwhelmed. And the reason I'm concerned about that is that 5% of cases in this virus, um, people have complications that they need to go to the ICU. Now, it's only 5%, but if you think about how virulent the virus is, and the fact that there's only 95,000 ICU beds in the USA... You know, this very quickly could get out of hand and overwhelm the hospital system. So, you know, I'm a little cautious. I'm not limiting my social interaction, but I don't know if we're completely out of the woods yet in terms of the economic damage that this thing is having. I don't think we're out of the woods. I think it will have economic damage. I don't think it will have catastrophic economic damage. I don't think it's a very, it's as scary as they're making it seem. My brother is a doctor and he uh, works in ER. And he is not concerned at all, which gives me a whole lot of comfort. And, uh, man, it's a good time to kind of wish we had universal health care now, huh? 
I mean, that's a, you know, this is a good segue probably to Super Tuesday, but um, I think the CDC did say they were going to pay for the testing, so that's one good thing, but yeah, anyway, let's just get into it, because I don't think we know an answer for the the COVID-19 thing. I'm cautiously watching the uh, the stock market and seeing what's happening. Uh, Just to piggyback on something right before you get into the uh, Super Tuesday, uh, this is, you might disagree with me, it's actually... In my opinion, a good time, in your case, to short. In my case, to do options trading. Mm. Yeah, you could do. that. I'd actually say that this is a good time to kind of play around when those uh, those kind of paper money that we were talking about when we talked about the options trading. This is a good one to see who wins out, me or Matt, and mm. I'm gonna win. Yeah, the volatility in the market right now is very high, and. Um, it's definitely a good opportunity. I would definitely use your paper account because you could absolutely get crushed with your real money account. But yeah, the swings in the market are definitely going to show you that options trading can be a uh, a real boom or a bust. You know, you could lose it all or you could make really really good money. But like a game of Monopoly. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So <laughs> um, with that, let's get to Super Tuesday. And so the last thing we talked about when it came to politics is that the Nevada primary and the South Carolina primaries were coming up and. The results from those were such that Bernie Sanders won Nevada, and then Joe Biden completely swept South Carolina. So I was wrong because I really thought that Biden might make a sneaky win in Nevada. Um, I did not place any bets on that, but you know I'm uh, I'm in a rough place right now because Super Tuesday, which was on March third, we saw that Biden had a pretty overwhelming victory, and. Not entirely because Bernie did win California and there were a ton of delegates there, but mm-hmm. I think everybody was really shocked at how well Biden did, despite the fact that his opponents pretty much all gave up and endorsed Biden right before Super Tuesday. They endorsed Biden or endorsed Bernie? They all endorsed Biden. That's probably why he done so well, because they got he got all of their... But man, that was a shock that Biden did as well as he uh, as he did... Uh, your little theory about the Democratic Party is proving to be correct. R.I.P. to Bloomberg. Yeah, Bloomberg. What a joke of a candidate. Man. You know, it does it does make me have a little faith in the system because, you know, everybody talks about how, you know, we've got like this oligopoly, these elites, right? But you know what? Bloomberg, who is worth billions of dollars. And Tom Sire. Completely bust and spent millions and millions of dollars and couldn't do anything with it. So, you know, I do have faith in the system. To Man, some he was the worst debater I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, the debates were pretty, pretty laughable and yeah. like just very weird non sequiturs he would bring up and just everybody was more confused uh, than anything. Yeah, do you think that Biden is finally going to get the Obama seal of approval? So this is, and if anybody needs a reminder, you know, I'm still a short Biden and I'm getting crushed in my position. So I'm, I hope everybody took my advice when I said don't follow me because clearly I, I need a lot of help with the politics stuff. But um, yeah, so this is another thing that we can wait for. So there's a, a few things to look forward to. And the next primaries are on March 10th. There's six states reporting, including the Democrats abroad, which is just a group of people who don't live in the actual United States who want to vote for their Democratic nominee. Um, but we have Idaho, Michigan, Mississippi, Missouri, North Dakota, and Washington State. And what we're looking for here is for Obama to endorse Biden, which would you know bring another rush of voters to vote for him. And we're also looking for Elizabeth Warren to drop out. Now, depending on how that plays out between now and then, 
you know, things could shift in one way or another. Um, Biden is looking really good, though, right now from an overall perspective. The betting markets have him at yes for 73 cents. So, yeah, I've lost pretty much half my investment now. But, um, you know, at this point, I'm, I'm going to hold it through and see what happens. A because... lot of people are saying that uh, Biden might get Warren as his VP to get all of her voters. Yeah. Pretty smart play. And, and that would be a smart play because I think the Bernie bros are very much ride or die Bernie. So I don't think Biden has much of a chance of getting these people to vote for him. And some of the Warren people actually don't like Bernie either. Elizabeth Warren has done something interesting where she's kind of pit herself and Bernie uh, against each other with her, her kind of commentary about Bernie telling her that a woman couldn't be president, that whole scandal that happened about a month ago. So there's a little bit of animosity there, and there is a, a chance for those voters to be up for grabs. So we'll see how it goes. I'm uh, holding strong. I don't think I'm going to bet uh, anything short term. I don't really have a sense of what's going to happen. Um, depending on any of these news events that happens, the Obama endorsement and uh, Elizabeth Warren dropping out. But we also have uh, Tulsi Gabbard, who's still in the race, <laughs> reluctantly. Um, I think she is a completely brutal candidate, as much as I do agree with her anti-intervention policies. But that's kind of the politics thing, you know. It's, this is uh, the most exciting politics I've been in my lifetime, personally. This is the most invested yeah. I've been. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty exciting. And uh, Biden stands right now at 670 delegates, and Bernie stands at 589 delegates. So we'll see how that goes. I forget what the actual number is for them to get a majority for the convention, but it's looking right now that it's going to be a contested convention. So that's only going to add to more excitement. And I'll probably explain that in another episode what that means. But it means, you know, we go back to the drawing board. And, uh, you know, I'll kind of leave it at that. Leave a little cliffhanger. Yeah, well, speaking of excitement, um, it's been a couple weeks, but if you guys recall, we did place some bets last time we had an episode. We had three bets. We had the parlay, the can't miss, and then we had the Wilder and uh, Fury fight. Oh, yeah. God. And, you, you know, yeah, I sure do. So the uh, can't miss did hit again, which continues our, our streak of can't miss hitting. Um, so we can't miss those. It's in the name. It's in the name. It's in the name. We did miss on the parlays. Turned out that Ohio State Cardell Jones uh, has turned out to be kind of a pretender, but Cam Phillips of T of Houston is balling out. So Cardell Jones, just a little recap, is the DC Defenders uh, quarterback, and they have been on a losing streak since I said they were good. So shout out to Cardell. Shout out. Uh, yeah. Uh, so we did not win that parlay. However, Houston um, continues to be undefeated. And Houston is actually this week's can't miss bet of the week. All right. They are minus 12 and a half against Seattle. So big spread. Uh, Seattle's trash. Mm -hmm. Simple, Simply put, uh, Houston hasn't lost yet. It is a huge spread. It's obviously 13 points to win your bet. Um Minus 110, so you put up 110 to win 100. But I think Houston's going to cover. They're really good. They're on a roll. So I'd, I'd lock this out as my can't miss. Um, Houston minus 12.5 over Seattle. Nice. Now uh, let's go into the boxing real quick. Yeah. That was a brutal fight. There's no, uh, no way around it. So uh, I think it was well known that Fury was a better boxer. Uh -huh. So I think that was clear. I did say that Wilder is a really good <laughs> puncher. So he will, okay. he could knock dudes out. Sure. And he's got, you know, the puncher's chance and his puncher's chance just happens to be really yeah. good. What had happened in this fight 
it's kind of a fluke. He got hit in the right spot and he popped his eardrum, which messes up your equilibrium. So from the second that happened, he was pretty much done for because in boxing, you really have to concentrate, obviously, to duck punches and make your next move. He was so busy focusing on just keeping balanced that he had no choice. Uh, he was done for. So it was a rough one. I'm sorry for everyone who bet with me. At least it wasn't astronomical odds like usual Wilder fights. Um, I would bet Wilder every time still. So I, I don't back down on that. Just an un, unfortunate situation. I'm looking forward to this rematch coming through in July. And I'm going to double down on Wilder then. What, Again, What's the rematch? Uh, Wilder Fury, July, July. I think July 18th. Yeah. Wow. So in every Wilder fight or contract, he has a uh, rematch clause. Really. So he decided to exercise it, and he uh, he stands to kind of defend his honor. I believe that Fury. There's no doubt now after watching these two guys box twice, Fury's a better boxer. He came in with an amazing game plan. Man, he was like 50 pounds heavier, and he kept just resting on Wilder. And he, he really, he had a much better game plan. And overall, he's a better boxer. I, I think he's shown that. But again, the one thing Wilder has is he hits really hard and really fast. And I think he's going to take this even more seriously than he's taken the yeah. other fights. Because this is the first loss he's ever had. And he got embarrassed. Yeah. So I think he's going to come in and he's going he's gonna to get ready to fight. And I think it's going to be a really good fight. July 18th, I believe, hmm. is the fight. And you better believe I'm going to be watching. And you better believe I'm going to go heavy on the Wilder. I'm curious to know what the odds are going to be. Because they're going to be too. favored for Fury. I think. I think so, too. Yeah. Because um, I think it shows he's a better boxer. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be exciting. I can't believe they already have the fight like picked out. And I guess it just means like he didn't get rattled that much. It was just this ear thing, this equilibrium thing. Yeah. He'll be fine. I mean, again... It, kind of like the puncher's chance like i said at any moment he can knock someone out it kind of what happened here fury although is a better boxer but he kind of just hit him in the right spot in the ear popped his eardrum equilibrium messed up and he was done for i mean he got his ass kicked yeah. so hope he recovers looking forward yeah. to him uh making me correct on fight number three yeah i'm looking to make my money back because yeah. i lost some money on that one buddy. and so uh here's something that you could do with all that money you're gonna oh, win yeah. <laughs> from the wilder fight and from our can't miss bet this week right. uh so my friend josh um asked me to really go through the entire real estate process of my entire real estate process so this is essentially a step-by-step -step base of what I do when I am looking to buy property. So previously when we t talked about real estate, I said that my favorite way to invest in real estate is long-term income properties. So that's properties that take in rents long-term with steady tenants. I'd mentioned previously, I don't personally like single family homes. I think that there's a lot of risk with them and I don't think that the uh, risk is worth the reward. So I recommend going for the duplex to quadplex, so two to four unit buildings when you're going into real estate. All the buildings that I currently own are fourplexes. If you could find ones with good value, I think that's the safest bet, especially because what ends up happening is even if a tenant moves out, you are still profitable. And even if for whatever reason two tenants move out, you're probably still breaking even even. So it's it's uh it's a much safer play but it is more expensive so you kind of just have a 
have to weigh the risks and rewards. So when I'm ready to purchase a property, I set a limit obviously. And again, when you are buying an investment property, you have to have 25% down on your investment. And then you also, in order for the banks to give you the loans, they expect you to have six months worth of mortgage payments kind of as free cash. So on top of the money you're putting down, they expect you to have six months worth of mortgage payments that could be held in investment accounts that you could freely get or held in your savings or checkings, but they basically just need to see that if for whatever reason um, you're not getting rents collected, you will be able to afford that mortgage. So make sure you have that. And then also you have to incorporate closing costs in the mix. So for a building that's roughly $500,000 or so, you'll need $125,000 down. And I'd probably throw another 10,000 in there for closing costs. So you're all in on a 500K building would be $135,000 down total. And then you have to put in what insurance is gonna be, what you likely pay upfront in your escrow. So on a building that's 500K, you're probably looking at roughly 700 to $1,000 for a landlord policy. So make sure you have that steady. So easiest way to put it is if you're buying a building that's 500K, probably have $150,000 just free cash, which I understand is expensive. So that's a, a kind of a, a high estimate of a, of a building. You could find one much cheaper. You could find one for 300,000. But in this particular example, to keep things simple, I'm, I'm doing at 500,000. Would you recommend going in with somebody perhaps as like a business partner for somebody starting now maybe? Sure. So if you want to mitigate risk, sure. Again, you almost have to outweigh the risk and reward with partners. It, adds a whole bunch of uncertainty sure. in the mix. You guys have to be, you guys basically have to agree that you have an exit strategy ahead of time. Then you guys have to agree who's gonna, who's gonna kind of take the lead, who's gonna mm -hmm. make the decisions. Do you have to wait for both people to make the decisions? Are you okay with splitting the profit? Does it then make sense for you to maybe buy a cheaper building solo and reap right. all the reap all the rewards and kind of just deal with everything yourself, or would you rather kind of split the cost, split the responsibility, all of that? So, it's an option. It's an option for sure. It's something that I shy away from. I have actually invested with friends in the past, mm. and it's been okay. I've actually luckily gotten out of it because ahead of time we did mm. call our exit strategy when we got in, so we we had that planned out. It's just not my favorite way to invest, but I could see it as, as an investment vehicle. It's a really good investment vehicle uh, for someone who maybe doesn't have the correct funds and just finds the right right place with the right numbers. Did the, the partnership kind of go... Kind of go sour. It did not. No, uh, you know, about this guy. No, should I find him? And you know, no, no. We're we're really it? we're really good friends still. Oh. Everything worked out. He is very successful from those buildings now, um, sure. and I have become successful based on selling those buildings. Okay. So I think it was a win-win for everybody. Um, so, anyways, so now that I uh, we have those numbers ready, and you have you understand your budget at this point, I like to go on a website called LoopNet. That's L O O P net net and i find cities i i like big cities i look for states with lower tax rates than california but if you oh, want to yeah. go into california that's fine you'll probably make more return on your investment from a property value standpoint in california 
However, if you plan to keep the building for a long time, it might not be your best bet just because your cash flow might, might be much lower uh, for multiple reasons, but a big one is because of tax. Just for reference, in this $500,000 example that I gave, the Arizona property tax on a $500,000 building is going to be roughly $1,000 a year. And the California, same thing. Let's just say you find a $500,000 building in California. It's going to be $6,000 a year. So we're talking a a $500 a month difference in your property cash flow, which is huge. It could, it's, it's going to be the difference between a lot of profit and barely any. So pretty risky, but chances are that 500k building in California is going to go up in value and take mm-hmm. in higher rents long term right. than that Arizona facility. So again, something you you will have to weigh these options. Mm-hmm. So I'll find places and like I mentioned in the previous episode, I look for turnkey properties. So I look for properties that are already rented. I do not like places that are not rented yet because what happens is in their kind of pro formas, they give pie in the sky projections on what rents are and it's just not realistic and you don't know how long it's going to take to get rented it's just you you're leaving a lot to chance and variables and i like to be profitable right away so i stay away from any places that are not fully rented so i'll look for a fully rented place which already takes out like 85 percent of the stuff that's on the market (laughs) so now you're zeroing in on just a few properties from there i'll look for places that are profitable and how profitable are they? Now, when you take profit into account, you have to take in what your mortgage is gonna be, your property tax, your property management, which I budget roughly 10% of rent collected for property management. Chances are you will find cheaper. Um, Right now I'm currently paying on all my properties roughly 7%, but budget 10%, smarter to do that. Uh, then you got to see what bills you have to pay. Some places have their tenants paying electric, water, sewage. Some places have the owners paying it. So just find out all those costs. It should all be available. And if they're not available right there on LoopNet, you could just reach out to the realtor and they should be able to give you that kind of information. So once you have all of that in and you have a realtor, and the way I find a realtor is once I've zeroed in on the on the city and state, I go on just a Zillow or a uh, Redfin and I just go for highly rated realtors in that area. I read reviews uh, and I look for in particular investment property realtors. Then I call, I talk, I uh, let them know what I'm interested in. They tell me what they specialize in and just overall you get a good feel of, of the person. And you take it from there. Once you zero in on the property, a property makes sense for you from a financial standpoint if you're still profitable after everything i mentioned so property tax gas sewage water uh, mortgage and your uh, property management then you know it's time to make an offer a lot of people this is when people can start getting cold feet Mm. and i understand it's scary but you have to understand that your property won't go from in this scenario five hundred thousand to zero it's yeah. not going to happen, okay? The land, no matter what, has a value. And if this place is rented and making money and you have that six months mortgage um, covered in your in your savings, you'll be okay. You have to obviously ask around and ask your realtor and you have to trust them that the area is good and the area rents 
and you could get a good idea on how long those renters have been in there. And again, there's a lot of research that you want to go into, but this is where people get scared. They pull the trigger. Just make mm-hmm. an offer. Yeah. Talk to your realtor, make an offer. And let me tell you something. Even if you make an offer and it gets accepted, you are still not liable for anything. You have to put down a deposit after your offer is accepted, which is fully refundable. Normally that deposit is $10,000, but you negotiate that in your contract when you send it. Mm. So I'm actually going to leave it here and talk about what happens after on the next episode. I know this is a whole lot of information to take in, a whole lot of numbers to take in, but um, for anyone that wants to do some homework, go ahead and check out LoopNet, find properties, and if you have some questions and want to ask me some numbers questions, go ahead and email me mm-hmm. at in this economy pod at gmail.com. Reach out to me on Twitter at economypod and let me know. I'll be happy to take a look at the numbers and, and let you know what I think. And yeah, and I think one of the critical things is, you know, go on LoopNet and just pick a random property and run the numbers yourself. Add up what the expected, you know, electric bill, all the rents that you would collect, the property tax, and just see what you're coming in. See how much money you're going to make in one year or how much money you're going to lose in one year if that were the case. And, uh, you know, you can compare that around the state. Compare what a Phoenix property would do compared to a San Diego property. And I guarantee the cash flow in Arizona is going to be much better than the cash flow in California. Uh, potentially, right? Because the California well, rents can go up pretty high. Here's one more thing to consider when it comes to market versus real estate. And I'm huge in the real estate. Real estate is a commodity that they're not really building too much more of. Meaning they are building buildings, but there's only so much land right? And people, the population keeps growing and people need a place to live. It is probably in your best interest to own land. That does not mean you have to buy a house for yourself. I will go into that next week as well. But I think it is very smart to have land in your portfolio. There you go. Yeah, I think it's great. You know, we talk about diversification once in a while. We talk about gold once in a while. And, uh, you know, nothing wrong with throwing some real estate in there if you can afford it. So on that, thank you guys so much for listening. It feels so good to be back. We're going to go celebrate Maddie's promotion. Yeah, we're going to play a little hockey later. Looking forward to it. So thanks, everybody. And uh, we'll see you next time. All right. Bye.